Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Hebrews. The New Testament book of Hebrews and Hebrews chapter number 12. The book of Hebrews and chapter number 12. We are on our downhill slope, our last four messages of going through the book of Hebrews. And we've been enjoying this deep book, lots of information comparing the Old Testament way. And now we're in a section that's dealing with a practical, showing that faith is the better way of life. And it's showing us because of who Jesus is, because of what Jesus has done for us, how are we supposed to respond? How are we supposed to move on? How are we supposed to serve God knowing all of this knowledge. And we come to the book of Hebrews in chapter number 12. The book of Hebrews and chapter number 12, and if you don't mind, notice with me starting at verse number 14. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, and in verse 14, the Bible says this, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for you know how that afterward he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For ye are not come into the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto the blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, which the voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come into the Mount Sion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and into an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly in the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect." And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escaped who <coughs> not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not the earth only, but also heaven. The, and this word, yet once more, signifying the removing of those things that are shaken, as of the things that are made, and those things which cannot be shaken may remain. 
Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Hebrews chapter number 12? The book of Hebrews chapter number 12, and notice with me at the end of verse number 28. Hebrews 12 and verse 28, and notice the phrase, serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And with the Lord's help, we want to preach this message about serving God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we go through this passage and we open it up, we're asking that you would illuminate our eyes, that your Holy Spirit would speak and that you would make it clear. And that not only would we understand the words, but that we would use these to serve you in the way that you asked us to serve you. That we would understand more about what you would have us to do and how you would have us to do it. Again, make it clear. I recognize my own inabilities, my own failings, my own shortcomings, my own hindrances. And I give those to you now. I ask that you fill me with your spirit, that you would give me strength that I do not have, both spiritually and physically, that your work may be done the way that you want it to be done. And we love you. And in Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28 has a very powerful statement that is easy to kind of go over, that kind of miss it, but yet this is key to understand what God is getting across dealing with the idea of us living by faith. And it says that we may serve God acceptably, that we may serve God with reverence, that we may serve God with godly fear. God is telling us how he wants us to serve him. One of the misnomers, one of the things about American Christianity is there's an idea that we can serve God however we want. We could serve God when we want. We could serve God however I want. We could serve God the manner that I choose. But do you understand that God is not just interested in if we serve, but he is very much interested in how we serve. And so because of that, God takes time to explain to him what is acceptable to him. What is it that he's looking for? Because we do know that not all worship is accepted by God. We know that's not fun to say. And a lot of people have a hard time hearing that and understanding that. But God doesn't accept all service either. We must serve God the way that God has told us to do so, not the way that we think it should be done. This requires us to study to see what it says. So if you don't mind, I'd like to take that phrase in us, Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 28, and I'd like to turn this into our outline that we are to serve God acceptably. We are to serve God with reverence and we're serve God with godly fear. And with that in mind, we're going to go back in this passage and see as the Bible outlines and divides itself and we can see these things, how God wants us to serve him. The first thing that we understand here is that we're to serve God acceptably. We're to serve God acceptably. Let's define and see what the Bible means by this, that we must serve God acceptably 
acceptably. Notice with me back in Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 14. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, some people, as I said, mistakenly believe they can serve God however they want. They think that God should be pleased with just any old thing that they throw in. They should be pleased with whatever they decide to throw at God. They, that God should be just happy that I show up. But God has something different to say about this. The only way to serve God acceptably is with holiness. Again, verse number 14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness is an important idea. The word holy carries the idea to be complete, to be entire, to be perfect. It also carries the idea to be consecrated and set apart for God's use. So God requires in order for us to serve him acceptably, we also must be holy. God makes an emphasis. Remember that the book of Hebrews is a commentary on the Old Testament, specifically the book of Leviticus. And the whole theme of Leviticus is holiness. Over and over you'll see that word holy and holiness throughout the book of Leviticus. And God places a big emphasis on this idea of holiness. And so once again it is going back and making reference to what the Hebrew people who would understand the book of Leviticus and understand the Old Testament and understand that as God goes through all of these rules and things how to serve him in the book of Leviticus... The book of Hebrews goes back and says the principle still applies. God does not just accept any old thing that you throw at him. God does not just say, uh, you know, whatever you can do. But God says, you must serve me holy. Holiness is what's required. Now, why is this a big deal? Why is God placing emphasis on holiness? Well, as we described before, we'll describe again. The idea of becoming holy is so that way we don't make God into our image. You know, we have the temptation of doing that. That if we do things ourselves, then what we have to do in order to make our service acceptable, meaning that we want God to accept what we do, sometimes we have to change how we see God. Meaning that we, we manipulate, we try to change how God is. We make him what the Bible doesn't say, but we try to fit him into our little box. But God says, instead of trying to change God, we're to change ourselves. And serve the way that God told us to. That's the whole purpose of holiness. This is why we're not allowed to do certain things. It's why God requires us. It's why a certain way we have to approach God. Because the purpose is holiness. We're to be transformed unto him instead of trying to force him to fit into our image. It's a certain way that we do things. A certain way that we approach things should be with holiness. This is God's requirement. Without 
which no man can see the Lord. This is a requirement that we must serve God wholly. Again, this passage follows the explanation of why God disciplines his children. Before, we had just covered on Wednesday night that we're not supposed to despise the chastisement of his children. It's because he loves us and he desires us to be usable. Why does he discipline his children? To correct our behavior so we can do what we're supposed to do. Why is God correcting us? So we become usable. It's the purpose of bringing us to holiness. With the chastisement, it drives us to be more holy. Now, what can ruin the holiness? What can ruin our service to God? What could ruin our service from being acceptable? Notice with me verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up in you, and thereby many be defiled. What, what destroys our holiness? What destroys our acceptability of serving God? Bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness is an emotion that comes when we do not actively on purpose forgive someone else. Do you know that bitterness is something that most of us suffer through? What is bitterness? It's when we don't on purpose forgive someone. The Bible here doesn't just describe bitterness, but it says a root of bitterness. Do you know that bitterness is like a plant? Now, many of you remember your first grade and second grade projects when they gave you the little kidney bean and they put it inside of the cup and they said, we're going to watch it grow. And so the little first grader and the second grader, they go and check up on the cup and they look every couple minutes and nothing yet, nothing yet. And they keep looking and they can't looking. There's nothing happening, nothing whatsoever. And they look and they look and it takes a while before that sprout finally comes. But do you know that something had been happening the entire time? That inside of the, the bean, what is happening is that the roots are starting to grow. And they're starting to form under the earth. And before you see anything spring up, those roots have been forming. That's exactly what happens to bitterness. You don't actively forgive someone. So someone says something to you. Someone is mean to you. Someone offends you. Someone does something. And by the way, it may be a legitimately horrible thing. But instead of forgiving them, you say, I'll just pack it away. I'll bury it. And that's exactly what happens. You bury it. And you bury it and say, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to deal with it. But in the meanwhile... It starts to take root. And it puts a root down deep. And before it ever shows up as a symptom, it's already entrenched itself. What are the symptoms? What, what comes out of bitterness? Hold your finger here and let's look and see what the Bible says. Now, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter number 4. The book of Ephesians chapter number 4. It describes the progression or degression of bitterness. Now, what is bitterness? Bitterness is unforgiveness. It is where you do not on purpose forgive someone. And so what you do is you bury the thing. And it takes root. And it begins to form. And before there's any symptom, any sign, what happens 
is that it's already taken root. By the time a symptom already shows, that bitterness is already rooted. Pretty good. So in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. And notice with me in verse 31. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. Let all bitterness. Now again, bitterness is an emotion that comes from unforgiveness. What is bitterness? Bitterness is a, a slow working poison that destroys its own container. It's like a bad taste in your mouth. So let's give an example. Let's say that someone did something wrong to me. Whether it was a slight or whether it was a major thing. But I don't forgive them. I just don't deal with it whatsoever. I bury it and it begins to take root. And after a while, we'll start seeing something spring up. Let's say that someone's talking to me and brings up that person's name. And what happens is I start to get a bad taste in my mouth. So they, um, we all have been there. They say that person's name and all of a sudden, it just doesn't taste right. Just something to it. Now, it's not showing up in your countenance. It's not blowing, but there's just something to it. And if it's still not dealt with, that emotion will spring up even more. Let all bitterness and wrath. Wrath, again, is another emotion. These are all emotional responses because I refuse to forgive them. And so wrath carries the idea of a low heat. It's like having a fire in a mattress. You can't see the flames yet, but you could feel the heat. So let's say that I'm in a conversation and someone brings up that person's name. What happens is I could feel inside of me, I start to heat up. I feel the warmth inside of me. Well, if that is not taken care of, let all bitterness and wrath and anger. Anger is where the flames come out of the mattress. You could see it now. What happens is the anger shows up in my countenance. So let's say that they have that name. Let's just Pull a name, all right? We don't have any Bobs here, I don't think. So, all right, let's use Bob. All right, so Bob did something wrong to me. I refuse to forgive him. And so I'm in a conversation. Someone says Bob's name. Well, now it comes when I see Bob's name, my face changes. You could see it in my countenance. That anger is now showing up on the outside. And it's there. Well, if it's still not dealt with, again, it comes from unforgiveness. If it is still not dealt with, it will turn to bitterness, a slow working poison, a taste in your mouth. It will go from bitterness to wrath, which is where the heat, I could feel the heat in me. If that is not dealt with, it will turn to anger. It now shows up in my countenance. That person, all that needs to be said is that name or that situation and it shows up. If that's not dealt with, it turns to clamor. Clamor here is the idea of an unseemly noise. It's the idea of banging the wall, uh, slamming the door, showing the dishes in there, right? Are you mad? No, I'm not mad. You're not admitting that you're mad, but everything about what you're doing is telling him, I am mad. That's the idea of clamor. Again, it's the emotion that's springing up because you refuse to forgive someone. You refuse to offer forgiveness. You, refuse, you allowed this bitterness to take root because you didn't deal with it. And it is poisoning you. It's not affecting Bob whatsoever. Bob doesn't even know I exist anymore. But me, <sighs> Bob, can't stand Bob. And so now it's showing up in my actions. Let all bitterness and wrath 
and anger and clamor and evil speaking. The word evil has the idea to do intentional harm. Speaking, of course, is speaking. So it comes to the place where I don't have anything good to say about Bob. I want to hurt Bob with my words. I want to show Bob or tell everyone else how evil Bob is. I can't say a single nice thing about Bob. I'm aggravated at Bob. And it gets to the place where you can't say anything nice. You can't think of anything good about that person. And every chance that you get, you're going to tell someone else about how bad Bob is. You want to hurt Bob with your words. By the way, husband and wives can go through this whole thing in zero to 60. You could get there pretty quick and get to the idea where you want to hurt them with your words. It's because unforgiveness, bitterness, it starts springing up. And it works, and it, it's rooted in there. And you didn't even see that it had been growing until it finally shows up. What else happens there? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. Malice is the fruit, the flower that comes out of it, but it's not pretty. Malice has the idea, the desire to do physical This is where you start playing in your head them getting hit by a bus. You start imagining a meteorite coming and strike him in the head. And by the way, some people will actually act on it and physically try to hurt them. Where does this all come from? Root of bitterness. Refusing to serve or to refusing to deal with it. Now, how does this apply? How, does this, how did we in the world get to bitterness? Well, we're talking about serving God acceptably. Turn back to the book of Hebrews. Remember, God will not accept all of our service. What is one thing that makes us were unusable? Bitterness. When we refuse to forgive others. Do you understand that in order to serve God, you have to deal with people? And people are people. They will say things. Sometimes they don't mean to hurt you, but they do. Maybe there's a misunderstanding. Maybe we're offended. Maybe they did try to hurt us. And you know, some people are unusable to God's ministry because they can't get over the legitimate hurts in their life. And they're unusable to God. They cannot serve God acceptably. I want to give you hope that you can deal with that. You can serve God acceptably, but it has to be dealt with. Bitterness is one thing that makes us unusable. And yet bitterness is the thing that every single one of us have to deal with all the time. You have to always forgive people because people hurt you. You always have to forgive them. And the deeper the hurt, the more that you're going to have to forgive. Notice again what verse 15 says. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Do you know that God forgave you of everything you ever did? And we're supposed to be Christ-like, so we have to forgive everyone else of what they have done. We cannot hold on to the slights, to the offenses, to the legitimately hurts that we have. We cannot hold on to them unless we fail of the grace of God. Meaning we failed! God gave us the grace, He forgave us, and He's giving us the ability to forgive others why do we fail to use this? That's what makes us unacceptable to be used of God. 
Not only the holiness that we're supposed to serve God where we are changed, not him. But we also cannot serve him as long as we have bitterness. As long as we have this not willing to forgive someone, not willing to make things right. As long as we allow that to grow, we're going to be unusable. Let me tell you, most Christians are unusable because we refuse to deal with bitterness. D.L. Moody, the great revivalist, would often say, before we even start the service, we're going to have an invitation. And I want you to make sure that you have no bitterness, that you have forgiven everyone before we start. And now we can have a better meeting because everyone's right with the Lord. This one thing makes us where we cannot serve God acceptably. Notice again in verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and therefore many be defiled. You understand that what happens if you try to serve God with bitterness, you could actually hurt a lot more people along the way. Many can be defiled because that bitterness will spread and you won't even realize how much it holds you back from serving God. How it holds you back from helping God, from helping others to see God because you won't deal with that. You understand most people today almost need to stop the message right here and you need to make sure that you have no bitterness And you have to look, remember, sometimes you don't see that root starting to grow. If there's anything that you haven't purposely dealt with and are willing to make reconciliation, willing to allow that person to get right with that person if the option comes up, if there's not, you got to make sure there's nothing in there that hasn't been dealt with. And God has given you the ability. By the way, the deeper those roots are, the harder it is for that plant to come out. We all have spring and we have those plants that won't come out and you pull them up. Why don't they come out? Those roots? Sometimes that bitterness has grown those roots so deep. And it's going to take a lot of grace of God and you working on it to get that whole root system out. But you know, I'm going to give you hope it can be done. And it has to be done if you have a desire to serve God. You cannot serve God with bitterness. You cannot serve God with bitterness. Your service will be unacceptable. You know, just because we're a Christian, it doesn't give us just authority to do whatever we want. Notice again in verse 14, follow peace with all men. We're supposed to serve God with peace to all men. Meaning we don't have any ought against them. We're at peace with all men. We're not at war, even inside of ourselves, with other people. This is part of having a life that is able to serve God acceptably. As we go on, not only are we supposed to serve God acceptably, but we're also supposed to serve God with reverence. With reverence. The word reverence carries the idea of respect and honor. And if we're going to serve God with reverence, that means we have to respect and honor God for His ways. God's work must be done God's way. The way that God said to do. We have to have enough respect, enough honor to Him to find out what He wants done and how He wants done. 
we need to serve God with reverence. Notice as it gives an illustration on this, starting at verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person such as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Now it's going back to the book of Genesis, and you have the two twins of Jacob and Esau, who were always fighting against each other. Because Esau was the oldest, technically he was the one who was supposed to inherit the fortune. He was supposed to be the family priest after his father died. He was to take over of bringing the people. But also in this case, he was also going to be part of the godly line of Jesus Christ. As the firstborn, that was his. And he sold that birthright for a bowl of chili. That's it. A bowl of chili. His lack of reverence for God's plan and God's will. This isn't a big deal to me. Not a big deal at all. Here, you go ahead and feed me. I'm just so hungry. You give me this. I'll give you this birthright. I'll give you what God promised me. I'll give you what God intended for me. I'll give it to you for just a bowl of chili. So the Bible describes him as a profane man. This carries the idea of having no sacred enclosure for God to dwell. Because he was profane, God could not be with him. That's kind of the idea of being profane. You're not acceptable to God. God can't use you. So later on, he wanted the blessing back, but it was gone. Notice in verse 17. For you know that how afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, though he sought it carefully with tears. If you read on, you see Esau at the feet of his father Isaac, begging dad with tears, please, do you have something to give me? Please, I want it back. And Isaac said, it's already gone. You missed out. You couldn't have it. God gives this illustration here that we have to serve God reverently. You know, if you set aside what God has wanted you to do and you don't take it seriously, it's not a big deal. It's going to cost you later and you cannot get back that time. You cannot get back that time that you wasted from God. Notice as it goes on, verse number 18. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and burned with fire, under the blackness and darkness and tempest, at the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, which the voice that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. Now, what is this talking about, as we had gone through before in the life and ministry of Moses, is they're outside of Mount Sinai. And in Exodus chapter 20, we see in Exodus 19 through 20, God is speaking to the people the children of Israel. He is delivering the Ten Commandments, not by Moses on a tablet, but God is speaking the Ten Commandments directly to the people. And do you remember what they said? Please let God stop speaking to us. We can't handle it no more. Please, Moses, you talk to him. You understand God was speaking to them. Imagine what a privilege it was to hear God's voice. And they said, we don't want it. We don't want it. We can't handle it. Please let there be a different option. We can't handle it anymore. We have to be reverent of God's will and his plan for his life. Or we're going to settle for less and trade spiritual things for earthly things like Esau did. And we're going to live to regret it. 
remember when it was dealing with Mount Sinai, and it talks about this more in this passage, that nobody can approach the holy mount out of respect and reverence for God. And that if even an animal crossed that line, they were supposed to kill the animal. And why? Why? Because this was a time of reverence to God. Do you know how irreverent people are to the Lord Jesus Christ today? They mix the holy and profane. The Bible speaks about this as a judgment in the book of Ezekiel. It speaks about one of the judgments, one of the reasons why... Let's turn there. Instead of explaining it, let's just see, let the Bible explain itself. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of Ezekiel chapter 22. Lord, continue to give grace. Continue to give us understanding. Notice with me in the book of Ezekiel chapter 22. Let me show you the reason why God brings judgment upon a nation. That should get us our attention. Why is it that God brings judgment upon a nation? Notice with me, if you don't mind, in Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel 22, notice with me in verse number 26. Ezekiel 22 in verse 26. Her priest, meaning the people that represent God, as we're applying it here, her priest have violated my law and have profaned. See, we're using the same word, profaned my holy things. And have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the clean and the un uh, between the unclean and the clean, and have hid my eyes from the Sabbath, and I am profaned among them. May I tell you what this passage is saying? You know, there's one thing when we could tell that what is right and we do what's right. It's a different thing when we know what's right and we choose to do wrong. But the problem here is they got to the place where they could not tell what was right and wrong. There was no difference. And whenever a society gets to the place where they cannot tell the difference between right and wrong. When God's people who are representing God can no longer say what's right and wrong. Judgment is due. You understand this covers so many things. Do you know that there's right thing as right music and wrong music, but today Christians cannot tell the difference? Do you know that church services, how a church service should be operated, that they can't tell the difference between holy and profane? And they mix the two and God says, you can't do that. You have to serve God reverently. Don't serve him profane. I cannot honor that. There is a way that God wants us to serve Him. There is a God that God, way that God wants us to worship Him. And yet, today, people can't tell the difference between what's right and what's wrong. And they think it's cute. For example, they get little Coca-Cola shirts, but instead of Coca-Cola, it says, Jesus Christ, my refreshing Savior. And they've mixed the holy and profane, and they can't tell the difference between the two. They mix worldly things. And again, the problem is, is not that they know what's right and they choose to do wrong. That's a different thing entirely. The problem is, is that they cannot tell the difference between the holy and profane. And they think it's acceptable. And they think it's cute. And they think that God likes it. And they can no longer tell the difference when the Bible very clearly can tell us the difference. There's no longer holiness and there's no longer a reverence. There is no difference between the holy 
and profane. Notice as we go back to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. And notice as it goes on with the same idea in verse number 23. Uh, verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, and the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable company of angels. Now what this is talking about is that this is now speaking about the millennial kingdom. Do you know that our service now is going to affect what we do in the millennial kingdom? And that we need to be serving God reverently now because it's going to carry into the millennial kingdom. Verse 23. To the general assembly and to the church of the firstborn. Which are written in heaven. And to God the judge of all. And the spirits of just men made perfect. Again speaking about that in the millennial kingdom. We're going to have this opportunity to serve God together. And serve God in the millennial kingdom. And that we need to start practicing now. And serving God the way that he wants to, to be trusted. Verse number 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Again, all of this is speaking about that our service now is going to affect our service later in the millennial kingdom. And that in order to serve God correctly, we must serve God with reverence. So as the Bible here is speaking about serving God, we know that we have to serve God acceptably. We know that we have to serve God with reverence. But there's one more, as the Bible describes here, we're to serve God with godly fear. We're to serve God with godly fear. Notice with me in verse number 25. See then that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not, who refuseth him that spake on earth, how much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? Now, here it's talking that there should be a fear and a respect. We understand that the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. It begins with the fear of God. What is fear? Now, we understand that the fear does carry the idea of trembling. It does carry the idea of a respect. But let me tell you that fear is an emotional response that comes from the knowledge of God. Where does the fear of God come from? From me knowing him. The more that I know him, the more that I'm attached to him. The more I understand him, the more that I have an emotional response. You know, if some stranger died down the street... And we didn't know him. We read him in the paper. Most of you are not going to have an emotional response. I'm sorry he's dead. But I didn't know him. But as you get to know someone. You have more of an emotional response to someone. That's why the people. Who, who we love the most. Can hurt us the most. Because we have an emotional response to them. Does that make sense? If somebody who never met you before. Says something mean about you. You just kind of brush it off. I don't know you. I don't care about you. I don't care what you say. But for God, we must serve him with godly fear. And it comes with getting to know him more and more. Why is it that there are some children who will do whatever they can for their parents? Because they've come to know their parents. And they want to serve their parents. And they want to honor their parents. Because they have such a respect for them. We all know kids who don't care about their parents whatsoever. Because there is no respect for the parents. Does it make sense? 
as we get to know God and get to know him and we try to serve him the way that he's asked to, the more that we have a response to him. Now I love him. I know he's a big God. There's a fear there because I know him. This is a God who could do everything. He's my judge. I'm going to stand before him and give an account. There's a fear there that comes with trembling. But also because I love him and I see how amazing he is and what he did for me. I've developed such a fear of him and a respect and an honor for him that I want to do what's right because of whom he is. It's an emotional response. You know, sometimes we get in the habit of saying emotions are all bad. God is saying the opposite here. That we should have an emotional response because of our knowledge of him. And that emotional response, that fear, causes us to want to do things the way that he told us to do so. That we should respond to him. Notice in verse 26. For whose voice then shook the earth? Now again, it's still talking about the children of Israel and how when God spoke, can you imagine God's voice giving the Ten Commandments and you hearing it and there was thunder and lightning and, and the earthquakes and people are trembling and going, wow, what a God whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying, yet once more, I will shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. Do you know when Jesus Christ comes back the second time and he lands on earth, it's going to shake everything. Amen. And he is coming back and he is coming back with us. Oh, what a wonderful time that will be, but it will be a scary time for those who are on earth. Wherefore, we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why? For our God is a consuming fire. Eventually, we're going to serve a kingdom that cannot be moved. We know that we live in a country now that's being moved quite a bit. And there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of things going on. And, and, but when we get to the millennial kingdom, that's going to be established and it'll never be moved. Jesus will never be voted out. He'll never be forced to retire. He'll never quit. He'll never get tired of it. That is a kingdom we can look forward to. And it's going to be God Almighty who's going to rule and reign there. And we understand that it's going to be God. Think about that. It's not going to be some man, some president, some prime minister it's going to be God himself that is going to rule in the millennial kingdom. It is God himself who everyone is going to answer to. That's going to be a different kingdom. Can you imagine going to God and saying, how do you want this done? Well, you know, we should be doing that now. How do you want this done? Because he's just as real. We should obey God's voice. Because of who he is. So with this we understand the practical application. Because of who God is. Because of what he has done for us. We should serve God acceptably. We should serve God reverently. And we should serve God with godly fear. So the question is. Are you serving God? And if you are serving God. How are you serving God? Let me tell you. You will not regret your service to the Lord when you do it his way. God will reward you not only here, but in the millennial kingdom yet to come, his rule and reign. And we're thankful for that. But we have to start now. Maybe you say, preacher, I don't know how to serve God. Well, the good thing is we'd be glad to teach you. We'd be glad to show you from the Bible and to help you on. 
Maybe you're not even sure that you're going to the kingdom. Are you 100% sure that your sins are forgiven? If not, it'd be our privilege to take the Bible and show you from the Bible how you can know without a doubt because of the grace of God that you can have your sins forgiven. How are you serving God? Are you serving God acceptably? Are you serving God any which way you choose to serve? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.